Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. And we have a whole bunch of things to talk about today. One of them is my experience having my daughter live with me during the pandemic. To that end, we have been watching America's Next Top Model reruns Mm -hmm. avidly. One YouTube that was made available for a short period of time called Seawall, which stars Andrew Scott, who is the hot priest from Fleabag. Also plays Moriarty in Benedict Cumberbatch's Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. Wanted to get those in. And did you have anything in particular you were? Gosh, in terms of media viewing, I haven't seen much. I've, I've really been binging on season two and three of Better Call Saul. I, I did get to the part where he adopts the new name, Saul Goodman. Oh, you So that did. was kind of fun. Yeah. Was that the end of season three? No, it's middle of three, where he's been suspended from the bar. He can't practice law for a year. And is that so when he's, he's working in the cell phone store? No, he needs to make money. So he decides to become a local TV commercial producer. Right. And he right. approaches these a carpet business, a music. He approaches these small businesses in Albuquerque to try to get them to make commercials right. and pay him to make the commercials with his little yeah. crew of film students from New Mexico University. <laughs> so cute. I love those students. They're just so perfect. Yeah. And, oh, and he says, Saul Goodman, where'd you get the name Saul Goodman? He says, oh, you know, it's like Saul Good, man. Yeah. That was from early in the first season where he was still in, I want to say in Chicago. Well, they do a lot of flashbacks where he's in Chicago. Yeah, and he it was part of his scam. He's scamming somebody, and oh. he says, Saul Goodman. Oh. So that was the first time I heard it, and it just kind of plays through. I didn't pick up on that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know I love Better Call Saul more than anything else in the world except for Shameless. It's inspiring me, although I, I don't know if I'm up to it emotionally. It's inspiring me, once I finish, to redo Breaking Bad. Oh my I, God, I, I did love Breaking Bad so much. It got so dark for me that I remember there were times when I thought, I just can't watch the next episode. It's yeah. too grim. Speaking of dark and unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite genre, dark and unwatchable. It's true because I watched a documentary last night. It's old. It's from 2012 and it's called Blackfish. And it's about. Oh my God. It's the devastating. Whales. I know. It's devastating. Tillicum. Yeah, Tillicum. Yeah. The funny part is, after a while, you become a little desensitized to the plight of these poor trainers who get dragged underwater. And at a certain point, you kind of feel like they had it coming. Well, I think you do feel like the organization has it coming. I mean, the the trainers are sold the same bill of goods. That's right. The audience. That's true. Yeah. So they believe that they have this special relationship with Mm -hmm. the mammals. I just thought it was devastating. You know what really bothered me? They talked about the fin drop. Oh yeah. The dorsal fin drop. Mm -hmm. And that that doesn't happen in the wild. That it only really happens in captivity. Right. And it just males. Yeah such a symbol of the oppression of those yes. animals. Isn't that right? Because that's a symbol of their wildness, uh, their their life force. So how did you find yourself watching Blackfish? Well, I finished up A Better Call Saul, and then Netflix puts up these things that it thinks I'll like, and it's finally gotten wise to the fact that I like things that are dark and unwatchable. So it put that up as a possibility, and I thought, oh, I love killer whales. But at least, you know, sometimes things get better on this planet and in this culture. And things have gotten better around that. We don't do that anymore. They have. And I think SeaWorld is, because of the coronavirus, I think it's going to go belly up. 
unfortunate choice of words, but I know going to say it. it's going to look like a beached whale. I think I'm going to start on my well. It all fe- it bleeds in together, but having a 24 year old roommate, a roomie, a roomie who's also I, a blood relative, who is also a blood relative. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't really think I could do that. I have a spare room, mm-hmm. and. Every once in a while, I think, well, maybe I should make it into a little Airbnb. And I think to myself, I couldn't stand having a stranger living in my one-bedroom apartment. It's actually a one-bedroom apartment with a room that is supposed to be a dining room. But I don't use it as a dining room because I don't have a dining room table. But I don't know. It just doesn't work for me that way. And when Kat comes to visit, when it's a full house, Catherine sleeps on an air mattress in that room. And Zoe sleeps in my bedroom and I sleep on the couch because I don't mind the couch at all. Catherine's current in my bedroom and I am sleeping on the couch. It just works out better because the only reason I'm ever in my bedroom is to change my clothes and to sleep. So it's easier just to have her in there with all of her clothes than have them scattered around and kind of in a more visible area. It's actually, it's worked out really well. I really like having her here. It's not different than having her here at Christmas, except it's probably going to be more open-ended and longer by, Mm -hmm. by a bit. Her story is that she left New York with her big sister and a sister's girlfriend. They went and lived in the Hamptons for, I want to say, a month. Mm-hmm. It was a six-bedroom home. Very luxurious. It couldn't have asked for better accommodations. Jimmy Fallon was their next-door neighbor, but it was terrible weather. And even in as large a house as it was, they started to get some cabin fever. And there really isn't anywhere to go in the Hamptons. You oh, are right. in a residential environment and yeah. you're stuck there. You could there. do a bike ride, but that's about it. Exactly. You could take a walk if the weather was good enough. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's really a very small town. So she came out here And in the meantime, big sister and girlfriend have now gone to New Hampshire. Let's see. Her two aunts and their husbands live in two separate homes. The oldest sister, oldest aunt, has a 13-bedroom home with a separate guest quarters attached. So there's plenty of room for the siblings. The thing is, in order to keep from contaminating or being in quarantine, big sister and girlfriend went from the Hamptons and drove straight through to New Hampshire in seven hours, just drove straight. Mm -hmm. They may have stopped for gas, but that was it, so that they wouldn't have to quarantine once they got there. Right. The problem is that Catherine will be going through an airport to get to Boston or Manchester, New Hampshire, wherever it's easiest to get to, but there simply are no tests there. You have to have the recommendation of a doctor, which means you have to be sick and you have to be lucky enough to get a test because we know that people in New York were turned away. Catherine's roommate had all the symptoms and was turned away in New York. So it's very tricky how that's going to work. She'd like to go there in a few weeks, but that's... You mean like at the border of New Hampshire, they're turned away? Oh, no, 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 no. They're turned away from having tests. If they call and say, I have all the symptoms, if there right. aren't any tests, then they're not given the test. And if, especially if they're young and don't have underlying symptoms. It happened when the density of cases was at its highest mm-hmm. and the testing was at its lowest. It's this crazy thing where once you move around, I mean, we're, we're here. It's not so different than if she was 
here for Christmas, except that we're not going out to restaurants or. Well, it's true. And there's nothing to do here now anyway. So it's, I don't know how it's so different from the Hamptons. There's nothing, um, we can't do anything. We can't go anywhere. Well, that's true. Although she can walk to the farmer's market. The farmer's market yeah. is actually open. The weather here is so different than it was there. Right. So she can get out. We've taken bike rides together. Right. She's gone for walks by herself. We can order real restaurant food. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So it's just the weather is really the big factor. So she can just be outside and not get such terrible cabin fever. But that is the difference, is that there aren't activities that are of great interest right. or availability. Mm-hmm. And she also just went through a breakup. So that's a whole thing that, that just happened like three days ago, four days ago. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting situation for me because I have to learn a certain lesson in boundaries there's this phrase, I think I told you, I'm only as happy as my unhappiest child. Oh, yeah. So I have to make sure that yeah. she gets to have her unhappiness and that's she gets right. to have her pain and that that's it doesn't right. become my pain because that's not yeah. happening. Or in reverse, which was the case when I was a child with my mother, was, her pain was mine. I thought in your case, it was really a matter of you had to be happy because if you weren't, then she would fall it was apart. too painful for her. Yeah, that was it yeah. too. Yeah. I guess it went both ways. Yeah, that's all I'm saying is, yeah, you have to draw that boundary in both directions. That's the kids true. have The kids have to learn to draw it too. Well, anyway. hopefully the parents learn how to do that. Yes. Transmit that to. Yes, yes. Um, so how has it been? Have you been able to detach with love? I'm sad for her. I'm very sad for her. Mm-hmm. But yes, I just said at times when I've had the impulse to intrude, she needs time to sit with her pain. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to distract her from her pain. That's right. not the job of a parent. A parent right. is there if right. there's an expression of it and there's need. And we keep checking in just uh-huh. in case, but not to intrude on that or, right. or violate that process because the only way to get through it is to go through it. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sad thing to watch, I will mm. say. And it's her first heartbreak. So oh. it's very tough. But other than that, it's really been great having her here. And I'm going to miss her when she goes. I wasn't sure how it was going to be when she got here. I wasn't sure if it was going to be tight quarters or... Right. Certainly, it wouldn't be as tight quarters as when we had big sister, Catherine, dog. And the dog. <laughs> and the dog. And, and the dog has too. the biggest... <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> who had the biggest personality of all of us, honestly. <laughs> it was the, the neediest of all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's love true. me, love me. <laughs> so one of the things that, that we have done for distraction is, now I've heard this is a thing, that this is happening a lot because it was on the CW when it originally ran, but America's top model, America's next top model with Tyra mm-hmm. Banks is now oh, Tyra. on Hulu. Okay. So it's watchable by the masses. Okay. And it is a total guilty pleasure. It's a jungle out there in the modeling world. And it's a jungle at America's Next Top Model, too. Oh, but brother. It's just, you know, it's girl-on-girl drama. Yeah. There's always one narcissist that everybody hates, and the audience hates them, too. Oh. And one who's everybody's favorite and that everybody mm-hmm. wants to win. And of course, mm-hmm. it's edited that way. But it's just, it's so seductive. I'm sure you've never seen it. I think I watched one or two episodes many years ago when it was new. Oh, but really? Yeah. Do they address the eating disorders or any of that kind of stuff? 
They are very aware that eating disorders are an issue and mm -hmm. I'm in the second season now. So it did come up and mm -hmm. one girl actually accused another one of having an eating disorder in front of Tyra and this was mm -hmm. a big deal. Mm -hmm. And the girl had to tell her that she wasn't bulimic and that it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. What kind of a cocktail do you have there? I have a very small whiskey sour. Oh, I, do you have a Marcino cherry in it? I do. I love Marcino cherries, even though I'm sure they're terrible for you. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been drinking much at all, but I thought, you know, we're going to have a nice conversation, and I think I'm going to have a nice little cocktail. I think that's an excellent idea. I use my very smallest glass. <laughs> but of course, I could always pour a second. <laughs> I was going to say, there's always room for another once you get to yep. the bottom of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Enough uh, about my addictions. What about those models with their eating disorders? <laughs> their eating disorders. <laughs> What's weird is you see them eating. So it's not like they're starving or, I mean, what's incredible to me is how much they eat and they're still model-esque. So clearly oh, yeah. they have metabolisms that work in their favor. So tell me about these episodes. Is it entertaining to see the battle of the, the villain versus Oh, it's so heroin. And yeah. these girls are sleeping together. They're eating together. They have these challenges that they have to do. And they're ridiculous. I mean, they're all so silly. At the mm -hmm. same time, you get caught up in who had the better black and white close-up or <laughs> who did the better imitation jazz walk. Oh, and God. just silly, silly things like that. But it yeah. is very seductive. Because right. the girls are so full of hope. They're so young. And all of their insecurities come to the fore. They mm -hmm. talk about each other. They're friends. They're antagonists, they're every other color of relationship incorporated. And right. it's just so bingeable. We watch two and I think, well, we've got time for another one, but really mm -hmm. it's 1030 and not really a good time to. Yeah, that's why I've been with Better Call Saul. I go, well, they're only 47 minutes long. I could do I one more. <laughs> <laughs> just one more. And the other thing that I watched is a special monologue. I'm not sure for how long it's going to be on YouTube, but it was a performance that was done in Edinburgh by Andrew Scott. And Andrew Scott is the actor who plays Moriarty in Benedict Cumberbatch's um, Sherlock. Right, and, and he's, he's the hot brilliant. priest. And he's the hot priest in Fleabag right. in the second season. Yeah. I don't think you've gotten to the second season, so you don't. Oh, I, I, I veered off of that show. I need to veer back at some point. Okay, I encourage you as with Better Call Saul, I encourage you about mm -hmm. the bag. Oh, no, but yeah. it's a very simple monologue done in a photography studio. Mm -hmm. And it's 34 minutes long. And it's just devastating. He's so excellent. It's mm. called Seawall. And All right. It was done on Broadway by Jake Gyllenhaal and I think Tom Sturridge. They either took turns or Jake Gyllenhaal replaced Tom Sturridge. I'm not sure. I think it's paired with one other one act and I, I don't remember which one it was. I just recommend it as far as something that's a very, very moving piece of theater that's done in the simplest possible way. It's just an actor on a set talking to the camera wow. and it's beautiful and it's oh. so powerful. Seawall. Oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. That's Sounds good. It sounds slightly dark and unwatchable. It's a tragedy. There we it's, go. Perfect someone, for me. Yeah, you'll love it. <laughs> it's so tragic. 
but it starts out, you have no idea where it's going. It's so simple and so hmm. eloquent, and I can't recommend it enough. Cool. Really have you seen that new show called Hollywood yet? I ha Have you? No, no, but Patty LuPone's in it, so I want to watch it and just see what she oh. does. At least Who's from, I don't know, there's a trailer for it where she's in a car in a gas station making a pass at the gas station attendant. Right. I want to go to Dreamland or something like that. Do you remember this story of a man who was a pimp to the stars and he worked out of a gas station, oh. just died recently? That must be what this is about. Is that kind of Ryan Murphy based on, not especially hewing to actual fact. And that loosely. Was loosely based on, and I want to go to dreamland means I want either a male or a female companion. And you could be a woman looking for a woman or a man looking for a man. Oh, interesting. Any combination there. He was ahead of his time. He was ahead of his time. And he said he got prostitutes for Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, he named names. There was a whole documentary done about him and his prostitution ring. And it yeah. was out of, run out of a gas station in the desert somewhere, I guess. I didn't see the, the documentary, but my impression was that it was someplace like on Sunset Boulevard, but Patti LuPone's in it. I wonder if she's playing somebody famous because there are people playing famous people right. in the series. Hmm. Well, that, now I'm intrigued. You'll I'm have, have to watch, to watch that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ryan Murphy. I, I find him so over the top. Is he the, a writer? He is the writer-producer. He did Glee. Glee. Oh, I never watched Glee. Oh, I loved Glee. But he also did American Horror story. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, me too. It's way too weird for me. And he did that mini series called Feud that was the feud between... Oh, right. I keep trying to watch it and I can't ever get a hold of it with Jessica Lange and yes. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon is really great because she has those eyes like mm -hmm. Betty Davis. Right. And she's very convincing, but Jessica Lange is like 20 years older than Joan Crawford was. And yeah. she reads older and it really the energy doesn't work. I mean, it yeah. didn't work for me. That's all I right. can say. It didn't work. Right. But it's still fun just to see them, Can't you be. know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's totally campy. And I recently watched Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh. And if you want dark, <laughs> say, I've always loved that. You have got to watch. Have you watched it in your recent in, life? Or in my adult life? Gosh, I don't know when I last watched it. Oh, it is worth revisiting. I must have seen it as a kid, and I had no idea what was really going on. I mean, yeah, one sister was very cruel to the other, so I could yes. relate to that. But I the simmering resentments, the simmering resentments, and the you know the hidden story behind it, and all the right. rest. Right. And Victor Bono's in it. I mean, it's really so over the top. Oh yeah, Victor Bono's great. Yeah, everybody's great in it. Joan Crawford and Betty Davis are amazing. Yeah, you know the woman who plays the housekeeper she, yes. taught, she taught at UCLA for some time when we were there oh she yeah. was so great because she's really the only one who figures out what's going on yeah she's the voice That's of reason lowdown. and BD is in it Betty's daughter BD as the girl next door and she yeah. is awful I know. <laughs> he is the worst thing in that entire movie. Oh, man. <laughs> so no lies you find yourself without, without something dark to watch, I really, I can't say enough about it. It yeah. is really something. Mm. So I don't know that I have much more to... Found upon? 
expound upon. Yeah. I mean, one thing is when I heard, this is speaking directly to the coronavirus situation, but Mm -hmm. did you get a text saying that the lockdown will go on for three more months? Did you? I saw a headline that said, looks like it'll last through July. Through August. Through August. And I'm just starting to wonder, as someone just said recently, it can go on for five or six months, but it can't go on for five or six years. Right. I guess I'm also checking in with you to see how you're doing. I'm fine health-wise. And I noticed, I did my walk today and I noticed there are tons more cars out there. People are out a lot more than they have been. And I guess businesses have been open somewhat where they can do curb pickup kind of stuff. So I I don't know. I'm feeling kind of hopeful. Like they're starting to open things up a little bit and they're being wise about it and careful about it. I wonder if we'll get to another phase within the next three months where there's more just openness and more commerce. I think the weather is going to make people stir crazy. I really do. Oh, right. I just think it's going to be too difficult to have kids indoors during the summer. I just don't see that happening. I mean, for me too, I guess there's some weird thing going on with the beaches. Like the beaches are open, but you can't sit on the sand. You can't sunbathe. What else do you do there? Surf? Jog? Oh, I have, that's my beef, my Corona beef of the week. Is it joggers? The joggers, they are so annoying because they're sweating and they're huffing and puffing and they're not wearing masks and they come up behind you. So you're you're walking, you don't know that they're coming up behind you. And before you know it, some sweaty joggers right next to you with all of their droplets heading your way. Oh yeah, yeah. So mad at the joggers. You are not alone. I've heard this from so many people. They could Um, put a mask on at least. Well, but then it's harder to, well, you know, it's harder to breathe through a mask. It is, it is harder, but we do what we need to do. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess that's going to do it for us. There we go. I'm all talked out again. Me too. Let's put this baby to bed. Okay. Great to see you. So long. See you soon. See you soon. Have a a good weekend. Stay safe. Bye. Bye, Bye, y'all. See you later. Bye.